The Athletic. Lauren Hill. So difficult to stop. Oh! And then we're going to go to Hada. And then Kanten for Pernille Hada. Miedema. Miedema van de Donk is mee. Miedema! Goal, 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 goal. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast Euros Edition. Coming up, will Black Stenius finally get her hat trick? We hope not. Is England's future bright or will the Lionesses settle for bronze? It's Lindsay Hooper and joining me for our semi-final preview show, it's hello again to Arsenal women correspondent for Ask Blog, Tim Stillman. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Thanks for having me again. So quickly as well. Hardly any time has passed. Seamless. And the Athletics' Jay Harris. Uh, good to have you. Thanks, as always, for having me on. Now, we held off in the last show. We really did stop mid-track but because we were getting into full flow of talking about the semi-finals. But we've saved it for this one. England versus Sweden and Germany versus France. Before we get into both of them in lots of detail, we finally got a lioness reaction to our song, the song that Abby, producer Abby, put together. If you haven't heard it, here's a reminder. Hands to the left, me to the right. Ellen's up front, Millie's looking bright. They don't need introduction, follow Serena's instruction. Hands to the left, me to the right. Ellen's up front, Millie's looking bright. They don't need introduction, follow Serena's instruction. Now, I was at the Lioness's training base and finally remembered to ask a player about it, a player that's in the very song, Beth Mead. However, when I went to record her reaction, as soon as I started playing the song, it stopped the recording. So you're going to have to just take my word for this. But Beth said she'd already heard it. She was impressed with Abby's rhyming skills. And I think (laughs) she was also alluding to the fact that other people had shown her this because we had Caroline Barker and Sue Smith singing along. And she'd also had Rachel Brown Finnis telling her about it. So would you agree with Beth that it's um, it's good rhyming in there? I mean, that's awesome that all those people have kind of been been sharing it. And yeah, it's a, re- it's, it's a real piece of creative art from Abby, that's for sure. And I promise you there's no sarcasm in that whatsoever. So what do we do to get it sang in unison, either um, up in Sheffield, Tim, or at Wembley Stadium? I don't know. Can can you arrange? Can we arrange for it to be played like over the PA? That's what UA, we need. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. UEFA have like a very. If you've been to the games, like they have a very, very set set list. Yeah. So if we can just muscle in on that, you know, muscle in on like the Harry Styles kind of, uh, and freed from desire and all of that. Mm. But if if we can get that going, maybe if England win after the final whistle, if we can sneak it in on the PA, I think we'll have a new national anthem. I don't want to replace Beth Mead's on fire, but Sweet Caroline, absolutely fine. I say we go full-blown marketing campaign, get a YouTube video out, all sorts. <laughs> let's, let's commit to this 110%. And that's going to help us even more. I mean, we're already hyped, but that would help us even more get behind the England versus Sweden match. And we've got more on that to come next. This is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. In the past three major tournaments, the 2015 World Cup, the 2017 Euro and the 2019 World Cup, England have reached the semi-finals. But it was down to Japan, the Dutch 
and then the USA to deny them the chance of making a final. Can they now go one step further in Sheffield against Sweden? Who better to answer that than the players who played at those very tournaments? So take a listen to this, guys. A special moment calls for a special montage. Courtesy of producer Sophie, here's Siobhan Chamberlain, Joe Potter, Katie Chapman and Jade Moore. That was probably one of the worst losses I've ever felt. I was on the bench and it just felt like your heart was like just broken, especially for Laura Bassett, having obviously scored the, the own goal. Oh, here's a chance. Oh, it's flicked in. And Japan have scored in the final seconds. What a free goal to concede. It may well go down as an own goal. But I think it was it was slightly different in terms of the fact that we were never really expected, probably from the outside, to get to a semi-final. So there wasn't the pressure on as such. I think what seemed to be different from that group of players that they have now compared to the group of players that we had in 2015, I think I think there's more of the belief there that they're going to win and they're going to be winners, opposed to being the underdog that's going to go into that that game and you know we'd, we'd very rarely been in that position in tournaments so we'd you know we weren't used to being in a position to win I think when I look at them they all look happy they look comfortable in that environment she looks really relaxed Serena and they have the winning mentality for sure to that semi-final and it was just a sea of orange in the entire stadium and I'd never been in a stadium before where the entire stadium was singing the opposition's national anthem quite as loud as the Dutch did and if England can have that for themselves this tournament it definitely provides that extra little bit of ammunition that extra edge The squad depth that they, they have now is huge for them I think we had a couple of injuries and people needed to come in and step in last on in, in, the, in the Dutch game, which which rocked the group a little bit. Horton, save! The United States have done it. England won, the United States too. I think handling pressure was a big one. I think clinical people stepping up in, in the big moments. Obviously, we had a penalty, didn't we, that got saved. I think Ellen scored and we had a ball moment taken away with like a toenail whip. So I'm guessing, obviously, learning from those experiences and, and, and trying to use that really as, as a platform to, to go on. You know, we've been building up to this for the last seven years. So I think the, the biggest thing now is for this England team is to go and get out at the semi-final uh, and not fall at the last hurdle. I think anything less than, you know, a final will will be a disappointment. This team, you know, the squad she's got there deserve to to get to the final. They do. She's got unbelievable talent within that team. And I think if it's going to be any time, it's going to be now. I think they've proved, you know, that they can score goals. Now is the time. And is it going to be the Germans in the final?
Katie Chapman, Jade Moore, Joe Potter and Siobhan Chamberlain there. Sarah Shepard writing a big article on that for The Athletic. So do check that out when it's released. Uh, let's get into the detail on this matchup then. I think we start with the England perspective, as we must. And tactics, first of all, Tim. I know you love a tactical digestion. Millie Bright being used as a striker, I think, is is the weapon that no other team in this competition have got. They have not got a defender that at around about 80 minutes, if all things are looking like backs to the wall, you can put her up front. If a goal happens, she can go and slot back in defence again and you can protect the lead. Isn't it a joy? It is indeed. I mean, maybe that's the answer for France with Wendy Renard, but um, it was... (laughs) It was. I was at the end that England were attacking um, in, in in those final moments against Spain, and when I saw it happen, I thought, "Oh, here we go." But but you know what? It worked literally instantly, and and that's the thing. And and you could see it really upset Spain as well when 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 England just decided to go a bit route one, which I think made an awful lot of sense at the time. I think it, Spain really showed that they didn't like it, not just because England scored, but I think they were visibly upset by it. And and you know what? Like, why not? Why not if it works? And and to have Russo as well, if you've got Russo and you've got Bright, that's two brilliant aerial targets to hit. It's it's a very it is genuinely a really really nice ace to have up the sleeve, particularly because England have plenty of centre backs as well. So it's no problem for Alex Greenwood to to slot in back there, for example, while while Millie kind of goes wandering up front. And we had seen it in the warm-up games as well. We had seen it, I think, in the Arnold Clark Cup, if I remember correctly. So it wasn't a complete desperation move from Serena. She'd thought about it and she'd used it before. I'm quickly looking up the odds of Millie Bright to score the winner with her head. and pretty high. So up until the quarterfinal stage, Jay... Spain, I think, got the better of our outlet players. But up until then, it was all about Hemp and Mead. Do you think that they will both have um, more success against Sweden? You'd think so. We kind of knew that Spain were going to kind of dominate possession in that game and it was going to be tricky for for England to get on the ball. And you just kind of hope we've come through that hurdle now. We would have learned a lot from it. And now it's time to kind of make sure we can kind of yeah, dominate Sweden. And I know we're going to be hearing from Frida shortly and she kind of mentioned about Sweden going into this game as, as underdogs. I think there's definitely going to be a pressure on England to kind of come out all guns blazing. And it kind of reminds me of um, England v Denmark at the Euros last summer where everyone had kind of already preordained that England were going to be in the final. And I think as exciting as it is to think, OK, England have got past Spain, Sweden are going to be a different threat. Hopefully we're going to have more on the ball. We're going to have more of the ball. We can be more attacking. It's also important to remember Sweden are a very, very good team. And it's important to just stick to the basics, stick to the game plan and not get too carried away and think about the final already. Serena Wiegmann, as tactically brilliant as, she, as she's been at times, Tim, she did decide to persist with the same starting lineup, even against Northern Ireland in that final group game, where players could have got rest. And then in that quarterfinal against Spain, and this is credit to them because they absolutely zapped the energy out of England by just closing them down on everything. But you did see that there was some jaded looking performances. So if there is any game where we might see a change to the starting eleven, do you think it will be this semi-final? And is it possibly the combo that keep linking up of Russo and Toon? Yeah, I, so I my suspicion is that Serena might think, because that's worked from the bench, it might work from the bench again. 
I don't think she will make either of those changes. I think Russo's probably the closest, but I think she'll think, mm, no, actually, Russo's my good bench option, and I'll keep her that way. I think the change we might see, and it's Serena, so we, we very well might not, but the, the change we might see is at left-back with Rachel Daly. And, and for me, it wasn't just like the defensive side of the performance, because we know that she doesn't usually play in defence for Houston Dash, but for me it was more, there's an absence of left-footers for me, and I think Spain worked out very early that Leah Williamson was left-centre-back, right-footed, Rachel Daly at left-back, right-footed. The left-central midfielder was Fran Kirby, right-footed. And Spain just found it too easy, I think, to shepherd England inside. And so I I kind of... I, I was a little bit surprised Greenwood wasn't the starting left-back at the start of the tournament. That's the one I think Serena will really think about on this occasion, about whether it, it's time for Alex Greenwood. But like I say, it being Serena, I, I'm not sure I'd bet an awful lot of money on it. Jay, do you want to add anything to that about selection? No, I think that that, that that kind of point was spot on. And, you know, putting Greenwood at left back and obviously she can also fill in at, at centre back. And that's what we kind of saw, depending on what state the game was in extra time. Greenwood was either pushing on or kind of sitting back. But it just opens up so many more different passing and crossing opportunities. So I think think it's the right move to make. Okay, well, the Athletics' Flo Lloyd-Hughes is writing a piece uh, about Lucy Bronze at the moment. Uh, She spoke to us about that piece. See if you agree with what she's got to say here. I think lots of people would have seen that that in that game against Spain, Bronze was getting visibly frustrated from the first 10 minutes of the game, really. And and we saw when England played Spain in the Arnold Clark Cup in uh, in February time that, that, that Bronze was targeted then and really struggled against Athenia del Castillo that day. And uh, she was targeted again in the game. Uh, just the other day, and and I think that 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 Spain really wanted to give her absolutely no time on the ball, and you kind of saw a knock on effect in 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 her stats from that evening. I mean, when you look at how many uh, dribbles she had, she only had thirty three percent of her her dribbles were successful. She had twenty five percent of her crosses were accurate. She didn't have a single accurate long pass in that game, and. It's not to say that every single match she's played for England recently has been as poor as uh, as that statistically, but there definitely has been a drop-off. I mean, even in the friendly games, uh, England's 3-0 win against Belgium, which was a, a weird old tough game that England kind of made hard work of. She, again, only only managed one accurate cross in that game. So there, there is definitely kind of patterns in the data that we've seen from uh, from Bronze's performances over the last year or so. And, and part of that obviously comes with the, the way that teams approach her because of her reputation, because we know she's such a good player. Teams are going to target her, they're going to give her time and, and space and they're going to make things difficult. But then I think there is also this element as we look ahead to that semi-final where you think, right, is she now a bit of a weak link for England because there is this, you know, beast in, inside of Lucy Bronze that that allows her to play with such confidence going forward, which is fantastic and, and such a, a positive thing for England. But at the same time, you feel like it can also leave them exposed a little bit. And I think that's kind of what I'm I'm looking at throwing forward to that semi-final on Tuesday is, is this something that Sweden are going to look to exploit as well? Okay, so the data can't account for that lovely back heel that we saw in there, but some 
some pertinent points from Flo Lloyd Hughes. Would you want to add anything to that, Tim? Yeah, it's a bit, it's a little bit Trent Alexander-Arnold, right? It's it's this kind of right back who, and, and so I, I do think in the last two years, maybe, we haven't quite seen prime Lucy Bronze, maybe the one we saw at the 2019 World Cup, which is not to say she's been bad by any means, but I don't think we've seen her peak. And I, I don't really disagree with all of that. And, and I think also because she pushes on so much, which you want her to do, the space in behind her is is kind of ripe to be aimed at. The thing I'd say, I guess, first of all, I, I definitely wouldn't bring in anyone to replace her at this point, like Jess Carter, completely different type of fullback. The other things I'd say f- for Lucy in that Spain game, once England did get it back to 1-1, I thought her nous was really, really exceptional. I thought at that stage, when the game really needed managing, I thought she was one of those players you looked at and said, yeah, you look like a 30-year-old player who's been in several Ballon d'Or shortlists. Just having that kind of nous and you know, knowing when to take the foul and when to see the ball out and, and things like that. I also think the partnership she's got with Beth Mead on the right is, is very, very strong as well. And even if you swap Mead out and put Chloe Kelly in, they played together for two years at Man City. So I, I don't disagree with Flo. But at the same time, I still think Lucy Bronze has has plenty to offer. But I wouldn't be surprised if Sweden at this point are sitting there and saying we've got to aim for that space. And in terms of getting back to that form that we saw in 2019, Tim, she is still recovering from a huge operation, a big injury problem that she had. Now, I didn't think that I'd see her playing at this sort of tempo and level in the way that she is quite so soon. So I think she's perhaps impressed me more there. I spoke to her after the Spain game and she said she could have gone for another 90 minutes and I I believed her. Uh, Jay, you were nodding along at points there when Tim was was speaking. So I'm, I'm I'm figuring from that that you wouldn't take her out either. I think the point on on Trent Alexander-Arnold and that, that comparison that Tim made is really spot on because sometimes you have to remember that Although those data points are correct and clearly there is a pattern there that it's kind of happened over a prolonged period of time, the kind of the difference between these kind of like creative fullbacks is that they have to have the confidence to keep on going because they might make 10 awful crosses in a game. But when it comes to the 89th minute and they make that 11th cross, if they still got the confidence and the belief and the quality to hit it into the box for Ellen White or Alessia Russo, that's kind of the difference. So it's all well and good sometimes pointing out inaccuracies in creative players but you have to caveat it with if you're a creative player who sees a lot of the ball and you're trying to make things happen the likelihood is a lot of that is going to be unsuccessful it's all about still believing in yourself that you you can hit that successful one but then to to not to not completely disagree with the data there is still obviously an extra level that she can still reach I I see it both ways but um no I wouldn't wouldn't take her out of the the lineup at all Well, moving on to more of a Sweden point of view, Sweden player and Chelsea captain Magda Eriksson spoke to the Athletics' Kiva O'Neill after the quarterfinal, outside in the rain for this one, and here's what she had to say. Obviously, you play in England next. England's a country that you obviously play in your football and you know a lot of these players. What are your thoughts ahead of that? Yeah, it's an amazing uh, opponent to play against. I'm really, really looking forward to this game. I think England have been amazing so far. They're going to be a really tough test, our toughest test so far in the tournament. Um, but to play them on home ground, there's going to be an amazing atmosphere. 
and uh, I hope we can shake them but we know it's going to be really difficult uh, but we, we're going to do everything we can. Yeah. Can I ask you about Lucy Bronze, obviously a player you've come up against in the WSL, maybe some people think she's not in the best form currently, what, what do you think about it? Is she still a player that can hit? Yeah, absolutely, Lucy is a fantastic football player and I think England have played an amazing football in this tournament so far and uh, I feel like you're being really picky if you're if you're trying to criticize one of them I think what they've done so far is really good so I know how, how good she is especially bombing on going forward creating those overlaps so it's a player we're gonna have to look out for yeah Serena doesn't really make any changes does that help you in a way or um, no I think they've proven throughout this tournament that they are so confident in their game that even though you know pretty much who's going to play, they're going to make it really difficult. And they also have players that they can put into games that are going to change the games, which you see, saw against Spain, how much they changed the game. So, no, I think they know what they're doing and they're doing it really well. Uh, but we also know what we're doing and we're going to give them the best fight we possibly can. You need to maybe upset it and yeah. get to the final at Wembley, which would be, you know, I know you've played there before with Chelsea, but yeah. Reaching a final, it would be an amazing dream. And if we can do that as a team, we have, uh, it's going to be a massive achievement. So we're going to give everything we, we can on, on Tuesday. Yeah, well, good luck in the semi-final. Thank All you. All the best. To get more of the Swedish perspective, producer Sophie spoke to Swedish journalist Frida Fagerlund and she was standing in the outdoor tent that Sweden provide for the press at their countryside training camp. Hi Frida, thank you for coming on the podcast again. You're in by this press tent at the Swedish camp. What are the players saying? Are they very hopeful? You know what? I, I think they're very relieved because coming into this tournament, they kept saying that they were favourites and they were going to get the gold and, and, you know, everything like that or the title. And I feel like they realised that it was going to be much harder after after <laughs> the first game and after the second game, which made them feel a bit, you know, a bit pressured. So after the game yesterday, they straight away they said oh yeah, England, is they are the big favourites. They have all the pressure on them. We can just go out and enjoy ourselves. And I think that's a role that suits this Sweden team very well. So that's the, uh, yeah, that's the feeling at the moment, that they're actually quite relieved about not being the favourites this time. And yeah, I think that suits them pretty well. We know the Sweden camp have had a few issues with COVID and illness. And a lot of people were saying, maybe we can't judge what Sweden will be like in the semi-final from their quarter-final just because they were so hampered with injury and illness. As as we're speaking now, the day after the quarter-final, what, what's the latest on that? And do you think that Sweden will be able to put out their full side in the semi-final? Hannah Glass was at the practice today. So she has tested negative. She was... Uh, I think she was the first the first COVID case that we, we knew of. So currently, the other two players that are still uh, not practicing or in training with um, with the other players are Jon Andersson and Emma Kullberg. And Jon Andersson, obviously, she uh, she was with Chelsea not too long ago. She uh, she moved to Hammarby just a, a month or two ago. And she, she is a key player for Sweden on that left wing. And she's been very, very good when she's been playing in this in this tournament. So getting her back for the England game, 
I, I would say that would be crucial. We saw Amanda Nilden on that left back yesterday against Bel- Belgium. And I mean, she did a decent job, but Jonna Andersson is definitely a whole different level. So yeah, uh, hopefully uh, Jonna will be able to play in that game on Tuesday. You were speaking there of Chelsea and obviously a big Arsenal star also in the WSL, Stina Blackstinius. And it's amazing to see how many goals she could have had versus how many she actually has. You know, what what's going on there? Are we expecting too much of her from her Arsenal performance? Yeah, I mean, Sweden doesn't really have VAR on its side so far. You could you could say that. And she she's been quite unlucky and I'm not really sure if it was offside against against Belgium. I think she looked she looked to be onside, but apparently it was like offside by 10 centimeters or something like that. Um, so yeah, she's been unlucky, but she's also like she's such a she's such a threat. Like when she you know, just being able to to pass her the ball and just getting her to run behind the back lines. I mean, it's just she's just an amazing player. So even though we haven't really seen the best of her yet, I think I, I, I feel quite I feel quite calm when it comes to her. I'm actually more concerned about Fridolina Rolfer, who's been playing on the uh, on the left hand side a bit a bit centrally. She hasn't really she was she was quite good in in the first and the second game. But she hasn't really been been a standout of late, and I, I think that's a bit bit of a worry. But Stina Blackstenius is is definitely a brilliant player, and hopefully she'll she'll score more goals um, hereafter. I've seen a lot of conversation about Fridolina Rolfo and whether she was just trying to play a more defensive role against Belgium or whether she actually is a a bit absent so that's an interesting one I I wonder actually with players like Blackstinius and I guess Rolfo feeding feeding the balls through whether England could struggle potentially or, or Sweden's advantage could be the fast breaks that they make up front I mean, yeah, that's a that's a good point. I mean, the goal that Sweden scored against Switzerland is probably one of the most beautiful goals of the tournament, to be honest. And I think that you you forget that because Sweden weren't very good in that game, um, apart from that goal. So yeah, I mean, that could definitely be be a key. I'm um, I'm very excited about this because I, I feel like it's going to be a tactical battle between Serena Wigman and and Peter Jarlsson. Petr Jarlsson actually looks looks up to Serena Wigman a lot. He was at the the Euros uh, 2017 as a spectator because he he took over the Sweden team just a month or two later uh, after that tournament and he's been yeah he's been heavily inspired by the Dutch principles and the the way that she approached that tournament. So I think that he's very excited about this. And he, yeah, he's definitely, uh, um, he's definitely going to have a game plan and maybe some tactical, uh, tactical things that might surprise us. That That's usually how he works, at least. What kind of things do you think he might be focusing on against the England side? You know, maybe in terms of how they deal with England's wingers or any threats that Sweden are going to really look to, to put to England? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Sweden play a, a three at the back like they did against the Netherlands. That seems like the most logical thing to do. But also, Jelson doesn't really like to 
talking about formations and stuff like that because he he thinks that they're so flexible and they they are i mean they fluctuate between a three at the back and a four at the back and and they're very yeah very flexible in that way and uh, that's always been his goal too uh, for sweden to to have that flexibility um but i think yeah i think a three at the back and i think that one of the one of the key aspects in this game is probably to you know stay compact obviously not letting uh, England get too much space but also being on the front foot because Spain wasn't really like I've, I I think at least that they, they gave the English players a bit bit too much space so that's uh, yeah Sweden can't do that if they're there to win this game it's going to be tough this is probably the toughest opponent that Sweden will be up against um, so yeah it's definitely going to be a challenge but I, I, I think the chances are quite are quite good Brilliant. Well, we look forward to seeing how it plays out on Tuesday. Frida Fagelin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Jay and Tim, what's your reaction to that interview that producer Sophie did there with Frida? I mean, certainly from the starting point of view, Jay, it was all about the fact that Sweden are going to enjoy not being favourites in this one. Yeah, and I think I kind of touched on that a little bit earlier. I think definitely, you know, it's a home tournament for England to coming up against Sweden. Sweden can kind of go into this game thinking the pressure is completely on on England. And if they're set up in a way that's going to frustrate England, that's going to play into their hands completely. You know, the, the crowd are going to get frustrated they're going to get irritable and Sweden will be sat there kind of rubbing their hands with glee and uh, another thing that did kind of make me chuckle that Frida said but I thought was completely true was that I don't think Blackstenius's goal was was offside I think it was really tight but I think it should have counted and I just think the intelligent movement that she was offside put herself back onside is something that England's defenders will just need to be really really aware of it's just a sign of a sign of an, an, an elite striker and I think that's one aspect of Sweden's game that's obviously a threat but then also they've scored five goals from set pieces at this tournament which is more than any other team so there's lots of of different weapons at their disposal but then I guess the one thing that we can maybe take going into that game as something to kind of think about is that they did dominate Belgium but it took until you know the very, very final seconds for them to actually find the back of the net. And there were just a lot of times in that game you could accuse them of being really wasteful in front of goal. And, you know, England have only conceded one goal in four games at this tournament. So we know we're not going to be giving up chances willy-nilly. So kind of just hoping that Sweden are going to come up against this really, you know, tight England defence and it's going to hopefully be a comfortable win. But we know that's probably not going to be the case. Jana Anderson, Tim, also got a mention there from Frida. She hinted that she's crucial. I mean, she used really strong language to say how much they need her back from COVID. She also went on to say she wouldn't be surprised if Sweden played with three at the back, although we know they are flexible with their tactics. Is that what you're forecasting, that she'll be back and they'll be in a back three? 100%, yeah. I think uh, Jonas Eideval said on the, on the post-match kind of coverage, he said, I would bet a lot of money on Sweden uh, going well, he, he described it as a back five, and I think it, you know, is it a back three? Is it a back five? I, th- I think it will look more like a back five. Um, I, I 100% expect them to do that, yeah, particularly because so much of England's threat comes from out wide. And I think on the subject of, you know, Sweden being underdogs, we have seen in recent years that suits them much better. It suits them much better tactically because they're much more of a transitional counter attacking team. and. Stina Blackstinius, you know, the, the 
the goal. I agree with Jay. Like <laughs> I looked at the lines they drew on the VAR and I was looking at it, I was thinking, that that's not offside though. But obviously I've seen a lot of Stina the last few months and she's great at running off the shoulder and theoretically against England, you'll get more space to do that because England will be higher up the pitch. And you look at Sweden over the years, look at their big tournament performances, USA, for example, at the 2016 Olympics, when they were massive underdogs and they loved it. They absolutely loved it. They won, you know, they got up Hope Solo's nose, which to be fair, isn't a difficult thing to do. <laughs> and and I, But then you look at the Olympic final last year and that was one of the few games in the Olympic knockouts where they were favourites against Canada in that final. And Canada, a very defensive side, very solid, a lot, you know, like a better version of Belgium. And they didn't cope with that. I think they cope much better with the lack of expectation, but also with not really having the ball. And I think that makes them such a dangerous opponent for England. I, I think it might go 120 minutes. You know, I could see that. I could see it being a bit like um, the France-Netherlands game that we just saw. Um, I could see it being bitty like that. I can see it being really tense. But ultimately, I think my understanding is that Peter Gerhardson has tickets for the Rolling Stones um, <laughs> on Sunday, and he'll have to cancel them if Sweden make the final. So I think England have an obligation to make sure that Peter Gerhardson can go and see the Rolling Stones. Oh my gosh. That's unbelievable. That's so funny. I don't mean to be bleak, but they're getting on a bit. Um, he might not get that opportunity again. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Well, to round this off, ahead of the big occasion, we need to get out the hopeometer again. I haven't done this for ages. So we've been using it to track how hopeful we all are about England. The most recent scores came after the quarterfinal game and Kelly Smith rated England's chances 9.4 and Jen O'Neill 8.5. So before the semi-final, where are we? Tim? Yeah, I'd have been more towards Kelly a couple of days ago. You know, just after you win the quarterfinal, oh yeah, we'll win the semi-final. But the closer it comes and the more I think about it and the more that anxiety creeps in, I'm I'm going to pitch mine at 8.8, I think. 8.8. Oh, I feel like Bruce Forsyth. Are we going higher or lower, Jay? I'm going higher. Uh, I'm going to say nine. Again, I don't want to be too overconfident. But I'm just really glad that England went behind against Spain and they kind of had that period of time where they were challenged in a completely different way and they've responded and then kicked on and obviously got through to the last four. So I think that just shows the sign of a team that's maturing, that's kind of peaking at the right time in a tournament. Before hearing about the Rolling Stones tickets, I was thinking about 8.2, but I've risen to 8.6 on the Hopometer scale. Uh, now on to the second semi-final. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, Euro Edition. So Wednesday, Germany take on France at Stadium MK in Milton Keynes. And joining us to talk about this one is French journalist Sylvain Jamie in Paris, fresh from watching his side win the quarterfinal. Sylvain, first of all, what did you make of France in that quarter first? Honestly, just relieved we managed to break the curse of losing in the quarterfinals, to be honest, because it's been 10 years and... So, quite happy to be honest, but uh, yeah, it was tough. Uh, you have managed to get through now to a semi-final. That's all done. You don't have to worry about that anymore. We're in the semis and Germany are the opponents. Are this France side equipped to be able to take on the Germany side we've seen at this tournament? Maybe. It's going to be difficult as well. We have two days left for rest, so 
is going to be uh, maybe resting for the few days and preparing for the game. So uh, we have a good attack. Uh, our defense is a bit unstable, and the Germans are really strong on the attacking side as well. So it's possible, but it's going to be difficult. I'm not sensing so much positivity there, Sylvan. <laughs> I've got Jay and Tim on the line. Um, I'm going to let them jump in as well with some questions. And final one from me. You mentioned about the two days rest that Germany have extra and France have played extra time. Is there any part of you that's feeling aggrieved about that? Does that make it a handicap in a sense? Uh, at the end of the day, you know well in advance that it's going to happen because the way the group has been drawn. So, yeah, it's a bit of a difficulty, extra difficulty, but uh, I'm sure the staff and the, the players are, are going to get well prepared for it. I was just going to ask, what, what, what do you think France will kind of need to do to kind of beat Germany, what would be the kind of key area that they need they need to work on? Finishing, to be honest. Uh, I think we ended up with an XG of 4.69 tonight and we scored one penalty and nothing else. So, you know, what, what was the XG? Quite uh, 4.69, that's what I saw. Oh, my word. <laughs> and it was like 2.69 something uh, after 90 minutes and we didn't score. So it's quite obvious uh, what we need to do to improve. Tim here. Can I ask, what do you think Corinne Diacre will do in the number nine spot? Because she, she played Mallard the last couple of games. I don't think that worked as well um, on this occasion. Do you think she'll stick with that or do you think she'll come up with another solution uh, to replace Katoto? Uh, she's got three options. Mallard, uh, Sarr and uh, playing Gianni at, uh, as well, which we saw in the last part of the game. So she has a, a lot of options. All of them were successful, but not super successful. So it's hard to know. I, I believe she's going to keep Mala, to be honest, because uh, Gianni is really useful on the right wing and she creates a lot. So you would expect her to to start with Mala. I don't think Sarah will start because we saw she had, a, let's say, a limited ability in a way. So she's more of a like third sub, basically. <laughs> and who's going to get the best of the battle between Pop and Renard? Ooh, Pop is in super form, you know, so... And she likes to score her headers too, so it's going to be very interesting. And... It's going to be pretty tight, isn't it? Well, let's go round. Sylvan, I, I don't even know whether I want to come to you first. I'm not going to. I'm going to save you. You you sound a little bit downbeat on, on France. Uh, let's go Tim first. A score prediction, France-Germany. I'm going to say 2-1 to Germany. Sorry, okay. Sylvan. <laughs> um, I'm going to say 2-1 as well because I think France do have quality on the wings and I think they will get opportunities against this Germany side. But I still think that Germany would just have too much and will come out on top. Sylvan, we're all waiting. We're waiting for yours. Uh, I would say 2-2 and uh, we go to penalties, actually. Oh, love that. Happen. Oh, and we haven't had penalties yet. So this could be the first one, potentially. Yeah, and, uh, it should be tight, to be honest, because uh, I think uh, both teams are really attacking teams, so it should be fun as well. Okay, well, I'm going to leave that there, but thank you very much for joining us, um, Sylvan. It's been great to have you on, and we'll see whether you're right with that prediction. Um, actually, yours <laughs> yeah. is more positive than the others, to be honest. <laughs> we will see. Hope for the best. Thank you. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, Euro Edition. 
I was sensing from Sylvan, everything spoke to me when, when he first came on that he was thinking, oh, we're going to get, we're going to get absolutely annihilated by Germany. Did that surprise you, his prediction, guys? I mean, it was a complete contrast to uh, us, us where we're going, yeah, you know, we're nine, we're 8.8, we're 8.6 on the Hopo meter. <laughs> and, and I've never spoken to someone whose team have just got through to the semi-finals of an international <laughs> tournament who's so downbeat. So may, may, maybe Sylvan knows something that we don't about what's going to happen. Um, he's a realist. If he was doing the hopometer, as you were talking about, I think he'd have... Well, I don't know, because then he went to penalties and maybe he would have been higher than eight, but I felt like he would have been about a 6.6 .6 or something. I, um, I've, I've known Sylvan for quite a long time and he's always, always on a level. I, d I don't think... Uh, I don't think I've ever seen delirium uh, from Sylvan, put it that way. It? How about if they go on and they win it, Tim? Are we going to hear delirium? Should we get Sylvan back and see if we can hear it? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, definitely, definitely. But you, you might get somewhere close to delirium. <laughs> Certainly closer. But he's, he's, he's an on-the-level guy. Well, I like a measured approach because that's why I like Serena Wiegmann so much. So uh, in terms of our pundits, he can be the Serena Wiegmann of you all. <laughs> that's all we have time for on today's Athletic Women's Football Podcast Euros edition. And next episode will be with you early Wednesday morning. So uh, make sure you take a note of that, bringing you all the reaction that England versus Sweden semi-final. I'm sorry to get worked up already. Uh, thank you, Jay and Tim. Thank you. My pleasure. Great to have you in unison there. Uh, thanks to producer Sophie as well. And the biggest thanks as ever to you, the listener. We hope you're really getting geared up for this one. Get behind the teams. Uh, two more rounds of the Euros left to go. And make sure you keep listening and spreading the word about our show. Uh, we will go all the way to the bitter end. Goodbye for now. And in another language, because Sophie likes to do this, Avida Zay. The Athletic.